Hallelujah. Well, you know, the um, songs today all just, uh, we're making those declarations and, and about where we're going to stand and how we're going to stand, being, being that we're going to stand on God's Word. And that's kind of the way we, that's not kind of, that's the way we set our hearts and lives. And, and you know, when I, I grew up in, in church, I grew up in a, in a family that believed God, and, and I, I grew up going to ch- church and hearing the Word of God taught, so it was kind of natural for me, I guess, and my wife was the same way, Sue, Sue's family, they stood on the Word of God, they understood how to pray, they understood these things. And I, and I tell you, it, it's been valuable for us to, in all the years of, of our marriage and, and raising our kids and getting to the point that we are now, that we knew how to stand on God's Word. Because there, just because you make Jesus Lord doesn't mean that <clears throat> all of a sudden life becomes easy or, or battles are, are, are no lo- there's no longer any enemies or there's no longer any battles. You know, you still have to stand on God's Word. You still have to fight with the enemy. And uh, for your position of and of what God has promised you, <clears throat> and so that's what I really try to teach. And and I'm I'm going to finish up my notes from the last two. Well, really, the last two services we had one in there that was we skipped because of the ice. But calling this "Let God Set Your Plans" Part Three. But I want us to get into down further. I'm not going to review much because <clears throat> I've I've uh, spent so much time in the top parts of these notes. I've been working on these notes for. Now, three, three messages. But I want us to, to get down to the part where uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, where it says, um, <clears throat> I, I made the, asked the question, how does God's Word shape our life? Now, I put in parentheses, and you don't have a set of my notes, so you can't see this, but <clears throat> I put in parentheses in my notes, not a word from God, but the Word of God. Now, there's times when a word makes all the difference. There's times when God speaks one word, a word from Him, and it changes everything. He says to go. He says you can. He says whatever that one statement, maybe not always just a a word, but a statement from God changes everything. And it's not just what is said, but the power of God and the understanding that it's it's reality to me. It's it's God's power in me. He's going to fulfill that promise. You know, I'm, I'm going to relate some of the story of Abraham, and I don't want to get ahead of myself in my notes, but I've been reading all this over the last, yesterday and today, and, and, and just going through these. And it's, it's, it's a, a story that is so powerful, but what took place in Abram and Sarah's lives, Sarai, before their names were changed, over there in Genesis chapter 12 through 20, was God took them through a process. And a lot of times we're focused on Abraham, but Sarah had to go through that same process as well to get to a place where the word from God shaped everything in their life, and it it, it changed their circumstances. It brought them from absolutely unable to able. And, and listen, a lot of you, I grew up, like I said, in church, knew God as a kid, saw God do amazing things, I had a, a big <clears throat> image of God. I didn't see God as sometimes He will, sometimes He won't, or maybe He might. You know, I, I, I didn't have this, uh, this disconnect. I had a connection with God. But there still has to come to a point in our lives. So if you have to overcome that, then that's, that's part of that process of us getting to know God and receive from God. 
But, but even when and if you've grown up with, with God all your life, there still comes times where we're standing, metaphorically speaking, or, or paint this picture, we're standing on the banks of the Jordan with the promised land across the other side, and we have to be willing to say, okay, God, I'll go there. And it's not really based on whether or not I feel able or, or we feel able. It's does God say it, and if God says it, He'll absolutely provide us the ability to do it. And I had to do that where my salvation was concerned. In other words, to be able to walk in the promised land of salvation, you could, you could paint that picture where, where I was walking in the promise. That's the way I see that. when the, the illustration of the promised land wasn't heaven. That's why I really don't like the songs, even though I sing a few of the bluegrass songs and stuff, talking about Jordan and talking about crossing over. That's not a picture of heaven. That's a picture of our life as a Christian. There was still an enemy there. There were still battles to fight. We get to heaven, there ain't no battles, right? We get, we, we, it is finished. It is won. <clears throat> but while we're on this earth, we're still having to take land, take ground, walk where God said walk. We're having to fight and drive out the enemy out of the, out of the things. And sometimes the devil comes to steal. If you hadn't figured this out yet, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give us life and life more abundant. And that doesn't mean a life without battles. You remember the children of Israel, they went into the promised land, and the first thing they get to deal with is Jericho. The walls of Jericho were so big, so thick, you, they could race chariots around on the top of them. This wasn't a small fortress. This wasn't a, you know, a, a, a wooden fortress. This was, this was big, and, 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 and they had no ability to win that battle but to trust God and, and obey Him. And as they did, God took care of it. But then, you know, immediately their next step was to take it upon themselves just to do it on their own strength. And then they went to a little bitty city and a little thing and they got their, um, they got their hineys whipped and sent back, right? Because they didn't do it the, God's way. And so our process of faith, letting God into our lives so much that it begins to shape everything about us. And, and I wish it was, I wish I could tell you it's just one prayer and everything will be all right. It takes time. It takes standing. It takes, uh, it takes the, our willingness to be shaped and changed because we're, gonna, we're going to have, I always say we're leaky vessels. We, we, we start down a road and you get on fire and God begins to change things and everything gets, gets better. And then all of a sudden you get into life and, and that, that reality of life and the experience of life and the pressures and the challenges and the busyness. And, and it can even be good things, but all of a sudden you're at this point of, of needing to be refilled. And that's what's so wonderful about church and that's what's wonderful about going into, our, into, uh, God on, into the presence of God on a daily basis it's all that part of that process. And, and so I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter 4. I may have sent you there. I don't know if I did or not, but Hebrews chapter 4. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, over the last couple of sessions, I, I talked about how powerful our, our words are. And, and I know there's always a lot of excitement when I start talking about you need to talk right. You need, you need to talk better. You need to quit saying some of those th negative things. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because I know there's those who, who really hate that to have to watch what they say. Our words are, are powerful. 
And if we, if we ever question that, we can just think about the words that might have been spoken over us by somebody important in our life, a teacher, uh, a, a parent, a grandparent, someone who spoke something, maybe a friend, some, something somebody said that just knocked the props out from under us and, and held us back for a long time. Maybe you never experienced that, but many do. And it takes multiple positive things to offset that. I know anybody that's married could definitely have, have uh, could um, say amen. You don't have to, but you, you could say amen to the fact that, that when we say something wrong, usually there's some repercussions and, 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 you're, and there's some repair that has to be done. Of course, as you grow and, and, and uh, you, you learn and you get wiser and you learn what to say and what not to say, you, say, you learn when to say it and when to say it. You know, timing is a, is a lot, right? My wife would, it was a night owl and I got up early always and all my life and when we first got married, you know, she's d- totally different now. Uh, but she would always want to talk at like 10 o'clock at night. You know, she'd want to talk in the middle of the weather. I'm a farmer and a rancher, dude. I, 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 I can't, I, I need, 10.15, we're listening to the weather. And immediately after that is sports. And if I, you know, depending on what's going on at the time of year, I may want to hear the sports. But probably it means shut eye. It means sleep, not Oh, let's get into an hour discussion. At that point in my life, I'm going to tell you whatever you want to hear just so I can get to sleep because I know I'm at alarms ringing at 5.30, you know, or whatever. Well, timing is everything. Now, for, for my wife, you know, now we talk better in the mornings, but, you know, for the flip side of that is I wake up just like I wake up every morning doing my high call thing. I'm, I'm up and bam, yeah, let's go. I mean, you know, I, 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 that's just kind of the way I've always been wired. And so uh, I, I, I'm ready to go. That's the best time. Timing is a lot of things. But I'm, I'm going to say where, where God is concerned, learning, and I was talking to uh, some friends, uh, some people that we support as missionaries. We ran into them yesterday, and we were talking to them. And, and timing is being in pace with God is a big part of it. And if we, He's setting our plans, we're willing to stay in pace with Him and timing with Him and allowing Him to guide and direct our lives. Verse, uh, or, or I'm going to mention 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, stay alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And so one of the things that we, we are also trying to all, always be constantly aware of is the fact that, that, that our enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I have to make sure that I continue to walk in what Jesus provided, and that's a reference to John 10, 10, which is life and life more abundant. So let's get into this in, in Hebrews chapter 4 because I asked the question, how does the Word of God shape our lives? And the first thing that I, I wrote down, and we've talked a little bit about this, but we got to take the Word as a living letter. It's something that's spoken to me. It's not just a history book. It's an owner's manual. It's, it's not just a book of do's and don'ts, but a treasure map. It's telling me how do I be better. I love to read the Psalms and, and the Proverbs because they're... they're they're telling us this is the way you do business right. This is the way you live with, with someone uh, in, in a relationship. This is the way you raise your kids. This is what you do to, to, uh, to age well. This, these are the things. So it tells us, it does give us instruction into how to, how to live our lives. But when it starts to come down to uh, 
understanding God's plan, we realize that, that God's plan is good. You know, in chapter 4 here of Hebrews verse 1, he says, God's promise of eternal or, or entering His rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest and has announced uh, to us just as it was to them, them being the children of Israel, using the example of them going into the promised land. But it, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter His rest. As for others, He said, in my anger, I took an oath that they will never enter my, the place of rest. Now, he's making reference to two places, and if, you wanna, if you're taking notes or you want to write these down, I'm not going to turn to them, but in, in Psalms 95, he talks about this, and then especially in Numbers chapter 14, he, 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 God is dealing with the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt. He delivered them from, from the, the, the captivity of 430 years he, he, and painted the picture of us in salvation. Everything God did in the Old Testament was pointing to the New Testament. But he, he, in that time, he established the Passover, which was a picture of the cross. The blood was put on the, uh, that pre prevented the death angel from, ta from taking them out. Right? This is Moses. He's, he's getting ready to lead them out. They're getting, going through all the plagues, but he brings them to that point, and he institutes something that thousands of years later, hundreds and thousands of years later, would be event or, or uh, ultimately it would be God's rest spiritually it would be a picture of us being saved and so he's relating that back and he's saying they wouldn't listen now here's a good thing they didn't all reject Moses word from God part of them were willing to listen but he said they couldn't share in it because they didn't have the faith with those who believed and that verse 3 the, only those who believed could enter His rest. So he's talking primarily here about that rest being the salvation, rest from works. He's, he's teaching a bunch of Jews. He says, you can't work hard enough to earn this. I don't know about you, but man, you know, work was always, that's how I earned praise. Work was how I got you know, not only is it good to be have work ethic and, and work hard, but but we tend to get uh, praised for hard work. We get praised for good grades. We get praised on the athletic field, or you get you get praised when you do your chores at home or whatever. You, there's there's all these things that we we learn and work is good. And and let me tell you, even though salvation is not earned through works, good works are part of it. You have to show up. You've got to read the Word. You need to pray if you want to walk in all the blessing of God, the, the, the good things that God's provided. You can get to heaven without tithing, but you're going to miss the blessing that comes with giving. When, when we do things God's ways, I say this all the time, when we do things God's ways, we get God's results. Man, I love that. That's what I want. But you know... Uh, Let's go down to verse 8. It says, Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, so again, he's pointing back to 
when Moses died, Joshua took over. Joshua brought him into after the 40 years in the wilderness. God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after the creation of the world. So He let us do our best to enter that rest. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Now what, what would we be doing primarily? It all begins with salvation. The number one things that we're rejecting of God would have, would have been His provision for salvation. The work in Jesus Christ. As long as we reject that and as long as we keep, keep ourselves out of that, God didn't make the decision. You pe People do. We, we would do that. If we reject God, we, you know, I've heard people say, well, my sin's too great, or, or you know, I, how could He save me? It's an amazing thing. That's why we call it amazing grace. It's not based on what we do. It's not ba based on how good we are. I said this yesterday. I did a funeral yesterday, and I said that none of us, even the best of us, are good enough in ourselves. We have to receive that gift, and we, then we enter into that rest. So the first thing is we gotta, we got to receive this promise, and we got to realize that this is a living letter, and that's where we're going to get to right now. Verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one in, uh, to whom we are accountable. Now, I love that, that part of this where it says it's living and powerful. The Word of God is alive or living and powerful, meaning that as old as this book is and, and the fact that it was written to one group of people by the Apostle Paul in probably somewhere around 56, 50 or 60 A.D., it, it's written then and it was absolutely directly for them. And yet it's still alive and living to be valid for us today. It's an incredible thing how it still speaks. It still speaks to each and every one of us. And, and the Word is alive and powerful, and that's how it begins to shape us. It begins to cut between or separate between, he says, the joints and marrow some, uh, and, and between the soul and the spirit. And big part of that is it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So it begins to separate what is what of, of God and what how we're yielded to God. It directs our life. That word is, is dynamic in its meaning. It reveals who we are in God's eyes, and I wrote this down. He, he reveals to us who we are in God's eyes and who we're not any longer because God's Word begins to change us. Well, it's a good word. Now, the second thing is this. We've got to live by faith, and we talked about this quite a bit. And I'm probably not going to get into this too much, but I do want to refer back to Mark 11, 23 and 24. So turn over to Mark 11. So the first thing we've got to do is we've got to make sure that the Word of God is a living letter to us. It's, it's alive. And man, it's hot in here. Is it hot in here? If that air conditioner isn't on, turned on, if those doors want to be opened, we can open those doors. 
it gets hard to concentrate. Some of y'all dressed for last week's weather, and you're thinking, dear Lord Jesus, I'm never going to wear a sweater in this church again. If it gets too cold, you just wave at us, and I don't want anybody uncomfortable because it's too cold, but if you're standing up here a little bit elevated in front of these lights, it's really warm. But I want us to see here in Mark 11, and, and I'm going to just mention this and then roll on, because when we begin to hear God and see His Word as a living letter, what begins to happen is God begins to speak. Verse 22, He said to, to His disciples, He said, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth that you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. You know, I think that's what, that, that was the big thing that was being dealt with in the children of Israel back there in Numbers chapter 14, is they couldn't conceive of themselves they couldn't see themselves in what God said was theirs. God had given them the promise, and He had the plan, but they couldn't see it. And it was kind of like me when I first gave my life to, to, to the Lord. I, I, couldn't, I, I got a note. I did my aunt's funeral here a, a couple of Saturdays ago, and two or three Saturdays ago, and it was up at Nash. I graduated from Jet Nash with... Or my wife and I did, and, and uh, one of the one of the parents, or yeah, one of the parents, one of the one of the ladies, wrote me a sweet card. She said, you know, you did such an awesome job on this on your aunt's funeral. She'd be so proud. And one of the statements she said was, "Would any of your teachers from high school have ever imagined you in the pulpit?" I was voted most likely to be some things, but it wasn't a pastor, a preacher. But when God began to call me to be in ministry, I, I, I went kicking and screaming. I had all these other plans. I wasn't, didn't desire to do it. I've never done this as a job. It's always been a calling, everything that, that... But I had to be willing to see myself in what God said I was and could be. You, you could be the furthest from... I remember even just being able to call myself a, a Christian. Not even a good Christian, but you know, someone I saw myself in for a period of time when I had run from God and everything. I saw myself as such a failure in those things that I couldn't see myself as what God said in His Word. But as the Word began to shape me, it began to shape me in so many ways. And one of the ways was that I could see myself as righteous, as forgiven, based on what God said. And that's what what faith does is faith removes the doubt or all the reasons why it can't happen. See, a lot of this, this, these verses have been made about the confession, and the confession is a part of it. But if you, you just saying it isn't going to make it happen. But when we believe and we say, then, then that's what brings it together. So I can say it till the cows come home, but it's not going to change it if I haven't spent the time with God to hear His, to know who He is, know what His will is, and to hear His voice so that I, faith arises, which faith removes that doubt. As long as I've still got that doubt. See, that was the process of Abraham and Sarah. 
They went through a 24-year process of getting to a place where when God said it again, they actually believed. They could see it. And you know what was amazing? Is they were further from it being possible. They were now, he was 99, she was 80. Five, I think. There, there, was, there was years of proof, years of experience that said no. But there was also the fact that now they were, they were not young when God started this process, but they were sure enough old now. <laughs> it, was, it, was well, it was well outside of what could be easy. I was talking to a, a friend of mine at that funeral yesterday uh, who also was a pastor, and he's retired. And, and he talked about when they started building a building. We're, you know, we're talking about building a building and, and, and the enormity of this time. It's like, man, he, he said, oh, yeah, we just needed 15000 to get started. <laughs> and I just I went, wow, yeah, uh-huh. The, the, the size of it, every, it would have been easy, seemingly. Built, I built one, we, we built one about 10 years ago in a church. It, it, was, it was easy. 50,000 was a lot. It's not so much now. But the one thing hasn't changed, and that's God. The God we have in our lives is no different. And that, that was where Abraham and Sarah, in, their, in their, the illustration of their life was. In the beginning, the problem wasn't God, it was them. But God didn't quit on it. He brought them through a process to getting to a place that they could absolutely see God as able. And that's what faith, that's what he's talking about. Because he says here in, in, in verse uh, 23 again, he says, I'll tell you the truth that you can say to this mountain, be lifted up. Now he's using that as an illustration. He's, he's taking them to something that is absolutely impossible or inconceivable except for the God that we're connected with. You may say, well, I don't know how I'll ever get out of this debt. I don't know how I'll ever this, this situation change with this person or this relationship. Whatever it be, whatever mountain it be, when we attach God to the situation and we bring Him in, everything begins to change. And faith came as a result of what God said. And faith removed all of that doubt. So that when then, when they said it, when they prayed it, when they spoke it, it wasn't just something they dreamed up. It wasn't just something I want. I can confess. I, need new, I, I want a new pickup or I got a new pickup or whatever. Well, I can say that. But what's going to bring the reality of that? You know, first of all, let's get something that... Anyway, maybe a poor illustration in that item but the process is the same. Look at verse 24. He says, I tell, you the, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it'll be yours. So we can. what can we believe for? See, that's where the coming before God is and with God so that He sets that desire, that thing that we're believing for. There's been a whole lot of things that I've, I've wanted and believed for that either were too big for me, I couldn't see myself having it, or it really wasn't God's plan. Now, I've challenged you over the last several weeks to, to write down some goals, to put some things out there for the coming year. Build your vision board. I, I redid mine, and, and, I, and I put put some new things. Some of the things were left there, and I'd shown you my, my vision uh, 
border, whatever vision, uh, my, huh? Poster, yeah. Just trying to get, get help from the back row back there. But uh, but I had I, I had to get I had to I had to I updated some things. I changed some things. I left the big deer on there because I got a big one, but I could use a bigger one. Okay. You know, some fun stuff like that. The truck. I mean, I, you, you, I, get, I got a good truck. I just, you know, a newer one would be nice. I just want the same payment. So I'm believing God. Zero payment. Yes, good. So I, I, I want, I want, I got corrals, upgraded a lot, but I still got other places that need better because I left the corrals deal on there. I, you know, I keep, keep having corrals, barns. But you know what? Here's the thing. All these, all these things... There could be some of those things I put on that on that vision board that they're just my desire. And as I spend time with God and fellowship with Him, I, I, I realize that's not that important. And maybe by the end of the year, and I review and I look back and I think, ah, I don't even, I don't even need that anymore. I don't, I don't even want that anymore. That's not, that's not a big deal. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But the things that were from God... They'll stay there, and as I spend time with God, He'll begin to show me how to believe, and He'll begin to remove the doubt. What's amazing with this is, is, is when I begin to set my... I, I, I don't have precedent to set faith on something that's not solid with God's Word, directly from His Word, and within His will, because I'm surrendering... I should be, we should be, surrendering our, our heart and our life to God. As I do that... Faith comes, but faith comes from the Word of God. A lot of times we're trying to pray for things, and, and I, I've said this before, but sometimes we're praying too quick where this prayer of faith is concerned. We're praying for what we want when we don't have the promise of God to go with it. We pray for something we couldn't even, we couldn't even begin to believe for. And it's not based on how big God is. It's based on... Do I have the capacity to believe? And so I go before God and I, and I lay those things out. And then I sit back and what, what happens a lot of times is they end up happening and we, we didn't even realize it. All of a sudden it's just there. All of a sudden it's just fixed. And some things that you, you have in your heart, you may, not have, you may struggle to put them into words, but all of a sudden they begin to come to pass and they, and they begin to show up. In ways you'd have never expected, it's pretty awesome to watch God be at work. So, in, in this third thing, let's let's go over to Philippians chapter one. No, actually, go to go to Romans chapter four, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up. I'm gonna show you this. Uh, I want to show you this from this Romans chapter four, because it's that story of Abraham that I've already alluded to. But there's a couple of things I want you to see. Again, one, one, one thing that we got to realize is, is our, our, our inability to believe God, and I, I'm careful to, to use that term faith because some people have heard in your past, I know, I don't know specifically, but I, I hear this, that they'll say, well, I was just told I didn't have enough faith. Faith has a lot to do with everything. But I guarantee you it's also, it, it come, that faith will come through spending time with God. And as we, as we align ourselves with Him, He just begins to enable us. He gives us the faith that we need. And then we develop it, we strengthen it. Like, 
But in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, he says, So the promise is received by faith, and it's given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Notice that. We're all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the laws of Moses. In other words, whether or not we can actually do everything, all the steps. He's talking to Romans, or I mean uh, Jews here, and he's trying to make it plain to Jews that they realize your works aren't going to get there. But if we, we are all certain to receive it, now, now look at this. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the Scripture means when God told him, I have made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Now, I, I love this because he, he talks about Abraham's faith and how solid it was. And it was, but it wasn't solid until he'd gone through a process of figuring out how to believe God and how big God was. At first, I mean, it, it was like, man, I don't, I don't know how this can happen. I, I know God can, but how can He? And, and, and there's all these little roadblocks. There's all these little doubts. There's all these little things. I remember, uh, I go back to one of the stories when, when we were uh, first in this, um, when I was first in this church and, and we were wanting to update some things and we were overwhelming the electrical system. The electrical wiring was dated clear back to, um, into uh, uh, the t early 20s and, you know, still some of the fabric uh, insulated wiring and stuff. And, and I remember we were wanting to update the service coming in. Well, we were wanting to up, update the kitchen area so that we could then bo boost up this so we could add some lights and do some things, and it was going to overwhelm things. And I said, you know, er, th th there was a couple of people on the board at the time that were just like, oh, just, you know, that's going to cost too much. We're just, we just you know, how are we going to do this? We, how is this going to cost too much? I said, look, let's get a bid. How do we know what to believe God for if we don't get a bid? I don't care how big it is. I don't care how small it is. We don't know what to believe for. We need, we need something to, to be able to say, God, this is what we're believing for. And so we, I figured four or 5,000. Now, you know, I figured now. That's, that's just, uh, I know some of you are looking like, how dumb are you? But you, you, for what we were talking about, just inside the kitchen, rewiring a few things, I thought, yeah, you know, we could probably do that for 5,000. Well, the electrician came out to give us a bid, and he said, well, you know, inside would be about 4500 but you need to spend about 5000 on the outside. Just, just the service coming in. He, he goes, you got a breaker box that's going to kill somebody. This thing's not insulated or uh, grounded right. It's not this or that or whatever. He, he said, you need, to, you need to deal with all of that first. And so we had a $9,000 bid when I was thinking it was maybe going to be 5000 and so here's what happened. One of the guys, well, we can't do anything till we get some more people in here, so we have some money. And then we talked about doing the sign and, and all that stuff. I mean, it was, there was so much limited thinking in, in some of that. They hadn't, they, hadn't, they hadn't hung around and heard enough of this word to realize we serve a big God. And so we're, we're sitting there, and, and I don't want to get into the whole story because there's, uh, anyway. But we got to the point and I said, okay, so we'll break this up into two pieces. We'll, we'll take on 4,500, we'll fix the outside, then we'll come back, and then later on then we'll believe God for And then we had some money in the bank. We just didn't want to touch it. And I said, let's let God do this. 
And I think at the time we'd had a big insurance bill and we were running in the red as far as week to week. We had money to pay it. I was just like, just take some money out of there, put it in there and get us back to level. Anyway, I don't deal with all the money, so I was just, you know, but the board, we're a little bit divided on this, but people said, you know what? They said, let's trust God. Now, I never said a word to the church. We got that bid and we believed God. We said, okay, we're going to step out and we're going to do this. We decided that in that, in that meeting and the treasurer poked her head in the meeting and she said, by the way, our offering today was $9,000. So the night, we didn't just get the $4,500. Once we tr chose to trust God, you see, sometimes we put a hindrance on God because we say, I don't think He can change that person. I don't think He can shift this problem. I don't think, you know, He can accelerate things so fast. I've been under, I mean, cattle business, you can be riding up here and in one year of the, you know, you can be in some not very good position really quick. One year I went from having $1,500 equity in all my cows to being behind $800 per cow. It was, but God, and I thought, man, how am I going to get out of this? But God began to show me, and God began to show us as a church, and God began to lead us, and the process isn't always as quick as one day, but the process was still the same, and God was still faithful, and He still showed up and enabled us to do things. What God said we could do and could be is absolutely the thing we got to hinge our faith on. So I want, to, I want us to see one thing, and, and I'm going to wrap this up, verse 17. In the bottom part of that, or in the, no, in that whole verse, he says, this is what the Scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. What we've got to realize is, is that's past tense. Even though he had not yet had his child, in God's word to him was, I've made you. And that's where this begins with salvation. I've made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've made you forgiven. I've made you the, the child of God. But then it continues into the other things that He prom promises us. I've promised you wisdom. I've promised you these things. So we take that word, but then He says, it says, Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Now, I just wrote in my Bible underneath that, limitless. So we've got to see God. When, when, it, looks too, when it looks impossible... God just smiles. As long as we're lined up with Him. Our pursuit is, is to say, God, don't let me be the hindrance. Don't let me be sitting on the banks of the Jordan saying, we can't do it. I want to be Joshua and Caleb that says, come on, let's go. Trusting God. Being wise, but trusting God. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up with verse 18. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many of your descendants you'll have. Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he was about 100 years old. He was 99. And he figured his body 
was as good as dead and also Sarah's womb. So in the natural, it didn't look possible. Verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. I'm going to tell you something. I always say this, and it's just hit me. I always say, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't believe until he did. But I just caught something. Abram struggled. Kind of like Simon before he became Peter. Kind of like Saul before he became Paul. Kind of like Jacob before he became Israel. It's amazing how God changes a name because their names meant so much. But Abraham, God changed his name at the tail end of this. And he began to say what God said, and all of a sudden his mountain moved. His situation changed. Everything became different. We've got to be willing to, to become fully convinced. That doesn't always just come instantly. It takes some time. But I guarantee you, when you settle in, and I started this whole message with talking about when we become founded on God's Word, fully convinced, unwilling to waver, just trusting in God when the storms and challenges come, when you don't know how you're going to make it, when it's too big for you, you always remember God's with you. You always remember He's there. He's there with you. Abraham became what God said. Man, that's so awesome. You may have in your life things that you want to get over, things that you need to get in your past, things that you need to, need to see different. Don't limit God in your life, His work in your life, by unbelief. Simply say, okay, Lord, I believe. And then He'll begin to bring you to that place where it's fully convinced. Because we'll say we believe, but what will happen? Doubt will come. That's why all these verses, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, right here, I mean, they're in Hebrews, uh, or, Mark, or Romans 4. But let's stand and and I, I just want to settle this fact that God is absolutely faithful to His Word. Whatever it is in your life, don't let this moment leave your... the, the opportunity leave you. Settle it in your heart. Whatever it is you're, you're thinking about, whatever the Lord's bringing to your attention. And if it's nothing but lunch and the football game's later, then, you know... It's not, that's not God. It's that other stuff. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing for us. We thank you, Lord, that this is a, a great group of people. They come ready to receive, hungry for you. And God, I thank you and I praise you that even though we're at all different levels of faith and many have come from many different backgrounds, that, Lord God, we're all united in the cross and we're all the same at the foot of the cross in need of a Savior. And Lord, I thank you that for any who have not made Jesus Lord, they have an opportunity to do that. But Father, for every person here who, who has a mountain before them or for every person who's been standing, uh, trying to stand against the doubt, that Lord, I pray that you'd show them the word that specifically fits their situation. 
that God, I, I, whatever that need is, that we can bring it before you. And Lord, you, could, you will give us the word that fits that so that we can be like Abraham, becoming fully convinced. And the Lord will not be moved. That we'll pray and, and in faith say to our mountain with that prayer, with that word spoken and see it move. And God, I thank you and I praise you that in the interim, while it's, while it's moving, sometimes slowly, sometimes quick, whatever it be, God, I thank you that you give us the strength to be able to stand in the midst of it. When the healing doesn't come as fast, when the change doesn't come as fast, when the answers don't come seem to come as fast, when we can't see you or feel you, Lord God, our faith says, I know because I see it in your word. I know because it was written. And Lord, I praise you that in that foundation, in that stance, that we'll continue on, we'll see the end result come. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray your blessing over these people. I pray your blessing over the food as we get ready to eat. I pray the blessing over the meeting that we'll have later. And I ask your blessing upon each and every one as they leave this place and go out in the rest of their week. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good work.